Just in time for the gift-centered holiday of your choice, we discuss the Toy Store film, Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium. Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalen. So, we're all back together. Yeah, that's cool. Back together again. Sure. Just like that song from Up in Sick Manhattan. I don't remember that part. It, it must have been a really good movie to draw us all together, though, right? <laughs> what about Reunited and It Feels So Good? That, that, that's not a movie. That's, but a, that's song, a good though. song, yeah. Your mic's drooping really well. I know. This mic is having trouble staying erect. Yeah. yeah. I was, I was, it needs Mike Agra. Yeah, I was... Uh... It's not even a pun, is the thing. <laughs> no, I just took a word and put it into another word. It's called a portmanteau. A portmanteau. Yeah. Yeah. If my mic stays right for more than four hours, I have to call a mic doctor. Nice. In a... Before the end of this podcast, I'll have thought of a good good joke. Okay, you got time. Yeah. Okay. The word priapism. Try and work that in. <laughs> okay. It's a really big word, though. So, uh... <laughs> it is a very big word for a very big thing. For the holidays... I know that I said the holiday because I'm part. Yeah, that? I'm part of a war on Christmas. I'm Christian. Stuart, uh, you worship the old ones, <laughs> and Ellie, you're uh, you're Jewish. Yeah, so. seriousness. I worship the oldest one. <laughs> so uh, we don't want to exclude anyone, but um, we watched a movie about toys. <laughs> Was that movie toys? I kind of wish it was, and then I remembered that that movie wasn't very good. Except I really liked how at the end of that movie, with where LL Cool J gets in some action scenes, mm-hmm. and all the action scenes are really shaky, like Ridley Scott shot it. Ridley Scott didn't make that movie, right? No. No, that was Barry Levinson. I like that there was the... Best known for Diner. The worst toy at the end, the kind of pig squid thing in the giant well, and you never really got to see it. It was like a Dianoga. Uh, yeah. But you never really got to see it, and I just remember seeing the movie and be like, what market was there for that toy? Even a military market. It's See, just some horrible thing that lives in the bottom of a well. The thing yeah. that really bugged me about about toys, I mean, obviously... <laughs> Let's there discuss were... this 13-year-old <laughs> movie. <laughs> no, but it, even when I saw it at the time, uh, when I was much younger and stupider, I thought, okay, well, this whole film has been building up this anti-war uh, sentiment, and they're like, oh, you know, these peaceful toys are going to be taken over yeah. and may like turn into soldiers. war toys. And then at the yeah. end, uh, how do they defeat the war toys? The peaceful toys fight them in a war. They have to learn to stand up on their own two toy feet. Yeah. <sighs> I, I went to that movie expecting something really exciting, like like a Tim Burton movie, or at the very least, like the like Mom and Dad Save the World, or sh- uh, what? Stay Tuned, or well, you know, there was weird. that thrilling. Stay Tuned is an underrated film that I've not seen since I was fifteen years old. <laughs> yeah. It does have that Chuck Jones sequence. You're looking at me as if you don't believe it. <laughs> I just didn't remember. I just, all the I remember, animated sequence was done by Chuck in Jones. In Toys or Stay Tuned? In Stay Tuned. Oh, okay. I remember that. I thought you meant Toys. In Toys, all I remember is the fake music video that they pipe into the uh, yeah. security guards so they can sneak into the building. You were probably too thrilled, uh, Stuart, by the trailer of Robin Williams standing in tall grass. Yeah. Well, it was just... Um, <laughs> it does combine both things you love. Tall grass and Robin Williams. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, it was like it was. I was going through this said, big Fisher said, King. You know what would make Patch Adams better if it took place on a prairie <laughs> yeah. or on the on the Serengeti? Yeah, I mean, I was going through a real like Fisher King phase, and wait, Robin Williams was in Fisher King, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. So I I naturally thought toys would have uh, scratched that itch, but it didn't. Yeah, it wasn't very good. It didn't have say Terry Gilliam at the helm. No. no, or Jeff Bridges as well. Listen, Michael Gambon got a paycheck. That's all I care about. Yeah. Oh yeah. LL Cool J got to be cool. Joan Cusack played some ladies sort of love him. robot woman. Was she? Yeah. Joan Cusack was the best thing about that movie, which is not saying a lot. Well, she, well, and we've said this before. I think in podcast, she's the best thing about any movie. That's probably true. I don't know if I'm being I'd, heard I'd on the to, microphone. I'd have, to, I'd have to think. I mean, that takes a while. I mean, not any movie. Not she's not movie. the best thing about like the Manchurian Candidate. In. She's sure. not in it. Yeah, she's not the best thing about. Um, no, I'm having trouble thinking of a movie yeah, she's in that she's not the best in thing. Long in. pauses into the uh, things so I can edit them out later. <laughs> yeah, I like to have something to do. You need a point where you can cut to a shot of a robot in a tuxedo sitting at a boardroom table. Ooh, that sounds like a movie I just saw, or a reference to a movie I just saw. That well, both. Yes, <laughs> that movie was called. Mr. Magorium's Wander Emporium. And as always with any movie where the title rhymes, it was great. (laughs) (laughs) What's a good sign? Has there ever been a a good movie with a rhyming title? Probably. Uh, Okay, well, that was very fair of you. (laughs) The Gay Divorcee. (laughs) Okay, The Gay Divorcee. There you go. Uh, Not the best Astaire Rogers, but still very good. That's the movie we watch, right? The Gay Divorcee. <laughs> yeah, yeah yes. Mr. Magorium's Yeah, we watched Mr. Magorium's One Reborium, a movie I was very excited to watch. Yeah, again. Because it seems wrong-headed on every level. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this movie really brought whimsy back to the national conversation. That's <laughs> <laughs> exactly what it did. Remember In how, all the wrong ways. Remember how after Mr. Magorium came out, there was so much whimsy, <laughs> and people were just running around doing crazy things? Well, what, didn't this movie come For out no around the same time as that movie where... Uh, like the uh, the animated girl comes to uh... Enchanted. Yeah, this was a little before then, I think. Okay. No, I was talking about Cool World, dude. <laughs> okay, this was <laughs> far after. Far after that. But I love about Cool World. It's it's the movie that introduces you to Gabriel Byrne, and then doesn't tell you for a little bit that he is not the hero of the film, and is in fact almost a side character at times. <laughs> yeah. That is. So, that's <laughs> Why so bother? True. It's awesome. The movie's like. Uh, okay, well, we're going to have sort of a traditional Hollywood narrative that's going to be shunted off to the side at every opportunity to have crazy, like, Ralph Bakshi characters doing things in the in the sides of the screen. Well, that's the thing. It's, that it's, would horrify you. It's very much a movie where you can see Ralph Bakshi arguing with the producers of the film in every single frame. Uh, but I was so, actually, Mr. Magorium. I was originally talking about Enchanted. Like, wasn't that also an attempt to, like, capture America's love of whimsy? A little bit, but that one made a little bit more sense. Like, it had one clear gimmick, uh, and Disney was doing it, and it was Disney being like, look at this, we can make fun of ourselves, too. Yeah, okay. And Amy Adams, uh, America's new sweetheart, was very uh, sweethearty in that movie. She was adorable. The alliterative sweetheart, Amy Adams, daughter of John Adams. (laughs) No. Adams is very popular right now. uh, There's a long gap. John Adams, Samuel Adams. John Quincy Adams. (laughs) John Quincy Adams. Um, but okay, Madam, Mr. I'm Adams. Mr. McGorry. <laughs> everyone's favorite palindrome. Yeah. Living palindrome. So Mr. McGorry's Wonder Emporium is a wonderful <laughs> place. There you go, supervillain, the palindromic man. Backwards or forwards, I'll put up a fight. <laughs> <laughs> it's my new supervillain character. That's pretty good. 
You can't sneak up on him. No, you can't. He's got <laughs> eyes in the back of his head. Anyway. We're talking less and less about the movie every week. Well, that's well. let's talk about Mr. McGorian's Wonder Emporium, which was like Willy Wonka, if you if Willy Wonka like had serious blood loss and was really weak and yeah. his skin was all, like the skin of the movie was all pale. And imagine. He mumbled uh, a lot, right? Who, Mr. McGorian? Yeah. Yeah. He mumbled, like he yeah. talked kind of like Murderface from Metalocalypse well, a little bit. Sure. <laughs> Imagine instead of like um, Gene Wilder or even uh, Johnny Depp, you had who, a- and no matter what you say about that movie, it's a pale shadow of the original. Johnny Depp is very good in that role. There's a, I, it's a I really think there's good a lot to like about the remake. Like, there's a lot to like about the original. There's a lot to like about the remake. I think that people are so. Well, the original's beloved. a classic, so... Yeah. And well, then, and also, like, I, I, may, I haven't made the mistake myself. I called it a remake. It's not a remake. It's, they're both based on the same book. In fact, in a lot of ways, the uh, second film hues closer to the Dull uh, book. Yeah. Dull is right. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, Roald. Man, good one. <laughs> but, um, but, but Gene Wilder is great uh, as Willy Roald Wonka. Dull wrote, uh, wrote one of the Bond movies, didn't he? He, he worked on twice. it, yeah, yeah. I think he wrote the script. Yeah, I think you're right. He also wrote because um, they were all a bunch of semi-pornographic uh, novels. They were all part of the same circle. Him Sounds and hot. Ian Fleming and Kingsley Amos were all friends. That's why Kingsley Amos wrote the first non-Ian Fleming Bond book under a pseudonym after Fleming died. But before we started talking in circles, <laughs> I was going to say that uh, Dustin Hoffman just teaching as people Mr. about Magorian. Kingsley Amos. Huh? <laughs> Dustin Hoffman as Mr. Magorium in this movie. It's as if he was like. I'm gonna play Willy Wonka, but I'm gonna do it as like a gay character actor from like I don't know the late fifties. And he got hit on the head at some point, <laughs> yeah. and he's caught in a lot of brain damage. <laughs> um, it sounds like it's like if uh, uh, what's his name Franklin Pangborn from the old thirties movies was right. uh, was Willy Wonka. He's the guy. Whenever you see a thirties movie and there's like a hotel manager who gets flustered, that's Franklin Pangborn. I think his name. It's like. Really, we don't let that happen in this hotel. Right. <laughs> like, or like a less high-pitched, more lispy Ed Wynn. Yeah, or ch- let's let's face it: if Charles Nelson Reilly played Willy Wonka, this is that movie. Yeah. And uh, if they name had, droppers, if he had a sidekick uh, that was a boyish uh, praying mantis of a girl, uh, which is Natalie Portman. Nordly, Natalie Portmanteau. Nordly Portman. <laughs> Nordly Portmanteau. <laughs> Nordly. <laughs> Norbit Portman. I'm writing my Mad Magazine parody of Mr. Magorium's Wonder Emporium. <laughs> Mr. Blackborium's Wonder, Wonder Blackborium. Yeah, that's that's good Drawn stuff. Drawn by Jack Davis. Oh, I, I wish. wish. I wish. If I could work with Jack Davis or Mort Drucker, oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be as awesome as the He-Man original cell that someone gave me today. But anyway, that's that's besides the point. Now you're cell dropping. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so we were we were fun we, of how Natalie Portman looks weird. Well, she is she is not. I think any of our idea of the of the perfect woman. Let's Very say that. severe. <laughs> that was your word to describe it. Severe in this and in this one, they've particularly desexed her because it's a children's film, I guess. Sure. But uh, let's go. Do you want me to go over the plot of uh, Mr. Sure. Magorium? Quickly. There's a magic toy store in an unnamed city. That Wait a minute. Called Mr. Magorium's Wonder Emporium. It works on magic. Everyone agrees to this magic. It just is. Mr. Magorium is Dustin Hoffman. He's over two hundred years old, and which means he must have killed somebody at some point. You got to <laughs> you got to assume it was a br- yeah. much brutaler time back then. Uh, and he runs the store. Natalie Portman is named Mahoney and works for him. And there's a kid who's amazingly talented at everything, but has no friends because he's a loner. 
and, and he has big ears and wears hats all the time. He has and he has he collects hats and wears a different hat all the time. He's kind of gay too. Dustin Hoffman he says I'm leaving soon, so I got to hire an accountant. He hires Jason Bateman, who we actually were never given the backstory on him. He just doesn't believe no. in magic. He's a normal person. He's just like a nerd or something. Yeah, and throughout I wouldn't say a nerd. I would say he's a sane human. He's a being. professional. Yeah, throughout the Someone film, who walks into a, a a toy store and doesn't assume it's magic or magic based. Throughout the movie, we're given we're given like many many situations in which Jason Bateman is a normal person. Everyone else is cuckoo wacky and you know irritating. And then uh, Mr. Megorium. Uh, do you want, should I spoil it for the people at home? Sure. Okay, he's leaving. This is all stolen from Harold and Maude, so he die, He plans to die on a certain day, and he does, and Natalie Portman doesn't believe it, and the store doesn't like it because the store is sentient. Uh, yeah, and, which is kind of strange. Yeah, and, and the, the sto- store's scared that once Mr. Magorium goes, no one will believe in him and, believe it anymore. And he creates that self-fulfilling prophecy by becoming depressing and boring, the store that is. Natalie Portman doesn't know what to do, and then in the end, everyone believes in themselves, and magic comes back, and... Store is okay. Yeah, and it's Name kind brand of brand toys are purchasable again. And this is the thing: it's a magic store. There's all sorts of crazy characters running around. Kermit is shopping in it at some at one point. Yeah, that this <laughs> <laughs> this really bothered me because like what I like to believe is also it's a magic store, so Kermit can exist in it. But outside of the store, he's just a puppet. So is he trapped there? <laughs> is he a prisoner of the store? There's a yeah. ten second shot of Kermit like just like just like him walking along with a basket and like. All these, then they catch a bunch of kids like bug eyed at him, and he's like, "What? I'm just shopping, just shopping." Like, doing, like your Kermit sounds so much like Hank Hill. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Miss Piggy. <laughs> that but, Gonzo ain't right. Yeah, anyway, but uh, my Hank Hill's not very good. But but a better Gonzo. Let's hear it. This looks familiar. That's pretty good. Vaguely familiar. You sound like whoever does Gonzo's voice. Um. Uh. Oh shit! I considering know that. he was my favorite character as a kid, I, I'm surprised I don't know who does his. Wait, voice. Gonzo is your favorite character, huh? As a kid, he was. Now I like Kermit because I'm a saner individual than I was. Okay. But um. But anyway, Kermit's so, just like walking along shopping. Wait, wait, what was Gonzo again? He was a Gonzo. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, in the non-canonical Muppets from Space. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they suggest really, that he's decided an what's in the canon. What's where Look, does, after Henson died? Where nothing, does where nothing. does uh, so Christmas Carol? Muppet Christmas Carol. That's Muppet not Christ- the canon. Treasure Island. Muppet yeah. Treasure Island. No, everything after takes Manhattan. Meet the Feebles. Is that in the canon? <laughs> <laughs> it's in the Peter it? Jackson canon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> along with Lord of the Rings. Yeah, uh, they so, take place in the same universe, just at very different times. But uh, anyway, the weird thing is, it's Mr. McGorium's Wonder Emporium. It's all like stuffed animals and wooden toys, and you know the kinds of things that Santa would make in his finger workshop. paints. Finger paints. But then there's also like connects and like Playmobil figures, Hot Wheels, very prominently placed, uh, like Slinkies, all these name brand toys. And it's well, he's like pay the bill somehow. Well, like Mr. McGorium knows which side of the br- bread is is buttered. You know, he, <laughs> he knows he needs to put out some some hot. Like I was expecting it, and, and a Robo Sapiens up the shitter. There's Robo Sapiens <laughs> everywhere in that store, but I was expecting at one point. Just a shot of kids playing Xbox or something. Like, if you're selling all these Robo Sapiens and things, why have a room full of rubber balls or, you know, yeah, there's, he's got all this like, other nonsense? He's got a mobile made of live fish. He has a room that you can set to different settings. Like, one of them, uh, balls. You know, the first thing I think of is not necessarily sure rubber balls when I just see balls <laughs> on something. But you open the door and a bunch of CGI balls bounce around. Yeah, a lot kids. of CGI in this movie, which is um, another problem. Just really? magical stuff, but then, yeah. <laughs> just magic. You oh, know, no. Just magic. <laughs> Your average magical shit. 
Well, see, I believe in magic, so oh, I don't. Mr. Megorium uh, will to store to me, there'd be no problem. <laughs> hint, hint, Mr. Megorium, if you're listening. But they, they like, and also everything was CGI. So, like, one of the great things about Willy Wonka, the original, the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, is that it's like everything looks not real, like those Oompa Loompas look like real Oompa Loompas, but like it all exists in a physical space. Like, even when yeah. Mike TV is shrunk down, it still has the... Because it's him and he's not shrunk into, like, a CGI Mike TV, yeah. it still looks... There's a certain amount of real reality to it. And, uh, Stuart, this was something that you picked up on and were very critical of throughout the yeah, film. Yeah, very, very biting commentary, I think. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, that, that was the thing. Like, do you think that they chose to put shitty CGI in there because they're like, ah, oh, a bunch of fucking kids are going to watch this. I don't give a shit. Possibly. I think they, they just didn't... They, they just like everyone's going to be paying know, attention to Dustin Hoffman's amazing <laughs> performance. He's going to be magnetic. So. Well, like I said uh, at the time, the climax of the film hinges on a magical block of wood, and it's just a block of wood. It's like supposed to be just a block of wood, but then it flies around the store. It's magic. And I was like, oh, it's good that they did that in CGI because a block of wood isn't something you can just get anywhere. <laughs> well, I think they originally shot it with out a block of wood. Oh, probably and a ten- then like a CGI block of. Wait. Probably like a tennis ball or something. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And I mean, I think they were kind of relying on Jason Bateman's amazing performance. His just he, like... I, and he's got Joan Cusack syndrome. He's the best thing in whatever he's in. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I didn't see The Kingdom. Including Teen Wolf but... 2. Well, he's the star of that film. So. <laughs> <laughs> but there was... Let's... Hancock. He's in Hancock. And Hancock, which I haven't seen yet. Uh, I was so hoping when the posters for Hancock first came out, it was just Will Smith scrunching his face up and just at Hancock. I was so hoping that he was somehow playing John Hancock. And it was like, the British think they can shut down my smuggling operation. Whatever. Sign my name. Or it was like a modern version, like John Hancock comes back. Yeah, in, in the body of a black guy. Wasn't that movie to called Soul Man? Something about racism. <laughs> Soul Man was well. There's more than one movie called Soul Man, but. Oh, oh God! Oh, so, but if we can talk, uh, we're talking about really good uh, special effects. But if we can this talk, movie's full of them. What were you talking <laughs> if about? If we can though? talk about story structure for a second, sure, here, of course. As I'm sure everyone who's taken my learning annex class <laughs> would have been able to tell, the uh, there's just scene after scene of of whimsy, very forced. Like this store is crazy and full of magic, and then it takes forever for the story to kick in, and then it just kind of like lurches forward in steps. And there are things that don't make sense, like none of the characters' backgrounds are really fleshed out that much. There's a guy, there's a huge mustachioed guy who at the beginning of the movie we're told, uh, it's narrated by the kid with no friends. He says, this is, you know, Bellini. He writes the story, and you'll see it. And then it's kind of forgotten. Like, yeah. Bellini finishes writing the book, what, 20 minutes before the movie ends? And, and I think, just he's like, I think even ma- the kid even makes a point, like, this is one of my favorite stories. It's like, yeah. hold on there now, kid. Don't church it up too much. I don't <laughs> and it really, the audience's hopes And also, they high. should have named Bellini Stromboli. That's, that goes without saying. <laughs> but also, you start the movie at two levels of remove. You're like, okay, so this kid is telling about the story that this other guy wrote, and I guess yeah. I'm going to see that. But So that that's a terrible framing Thank device. Thank God that they framed it, because if they'd just done it as a straight narrative, can you imagine the mess... Even you know you have to I'd tell. Be like, it a... Am I watching a story right now? <laughs> yeah, did he make this up or is this supposed to be in my imagination right now? I don't, I don't know what's going on. Am I, am I watching a movie? I don't. 
remember. Am I alive or am I in heaven? <laughs> the uh, but that's like even if it's a, a movie for Is this kids, a documentary. <laughs> it's a movie for kids, so it has to be a little simpler. Like it can't be Chinatown, but <laughs> you can still have a story that moves from scene to scene and isn't it isn't like. Set piece. The purpose of this set piece is to show that magic is wonderful. <laughs> Scene two. Now we're going to show that Mr. Megorium believes in magic. Scene three. Mr. Megorium says something crazy. Scene four. Magic is wonderful. Like, <laughs> Look at those Hot Wheels. And so buy Hot Wheels, kids. <laughs> and for some reason, Simmons mattresses. They go to a mattress store at one point, and there's a big Simmons sign in the background. And it's, well, yeah, let's that- talk about this. Natalie Portman is so disturbed by the idea that uh, Mr. Megorium is going to die sometime, in spite of the fact that he's 250 years old and is probably praying for death at this point. <laughs> yeah, well, but, the inside uh, of his body is barely alive. Yeah. <laughs> she, she, so she like forcibly has him admitted into the hospital, being like, this guy's crazy. <laughs> See, he's always talking about how he's 250 yeah. years old that, that and has can, a magic toy store. I'm that like, conceit ends after about four seconds. Yeah. <laughs> well, the doctor's like, uh, there's nothing physically wrong with him, so we can't hold him. I'm like, what about the fact that he's crazy? Yeah, but we- it's not a, I mean, it's a hospital. It's not a mental institution. I guess. Do they do tests on him? Like, could they tell? Like, can't you do something like what they do with the tree and figure out how old he is? <laughs> yeah, they cut him open like and they counted his rings. You're like, can't they do tests to prove that he's magic? <laughs> like, <laughs> you're very, you're scoring very high on a magicometer. <laughs> they take his, his, his urine starts in. like <laughs> flying around the room. Mr. Begorian's midichlorian count is incredibly <laughs> high. Through the roof. <laughs> you could be the next. What, wait, what do they call him? I don't know. He has some special name for Anakin, right? Or yeah, but like, and at that point, of course, Natalie. And be like, ah, oh, not again. Yeah. Because uh, she, she, she was in Annie. the Star Wars movie. Sure. She played Queen Amygdala. <laughs> she she had babies. Darth Vader's babies. Yeah, and then she died out of a lack of will to live. That was so. <laughs> it's like she lost the will to live. And I got so mad because I was like, what about her fucking kids she just had? Like, Second of all, like a robot? Like, what was that like? Analyzed? I do love that the robot, there's a nurse bot that it knows human emotion better than the Jedi's do. Like, that scene would have worked so much better if she died and the nurse bot was like, I don't understand. Her vital signs are fine. And someone said, She just lost the will to live. And the robot's like, Huh? And looks confused. But instead, and then melts. Yeah, and then melts out of the logic loop. Yeah, but shooting out sparks. It's out just of like the tears. Kobayashi or, Maru. Or if there's a later scene where you see the robot at home, where like the, the robot's like, I didn't have the heart to tell them I never passed my robotic <laughs> <laughs> medical exam. I've been practicing without a robo license. Oh, also will live. I guess that's really because they're bleeding all over the place. Is that really what? Man, fifteen of your patients lost the will to live this week. <laughs> It's terrible. You got the worst luck, nurse bot. <laughs> yeah, I know. Pretty bad, huh? Beep, beep, boop, boop. Oh, rats. <laughs> now it's someone just pretending to be a robot? Yeah. Bantha poodoo. <laughs> <laughs> no Java Wanga. But after, but after, like, Natalie Portman comes to her senses and is like, oh, okay, everyone has to die sometime. Yeah, it's basically the whatever. Mr. Hooper episode of Sesame Street, but worse. <laughs> she's, she's like, I'm going to show you the best most whimsical day you've ever had I'm gonna out whimsy the shit out of you yeah she's like I'm gonna be five times as whimsical as the character I played in Garden State and, and that was whimsical yeah. that shit was fucking retarded <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like and their attempt at like showing how great life is was them like jumping on fucking mattresses in a mattress store yeah they go to a mattress store day. and like then they went to a clock they... a clock shop and they set all the clocks to go off no! 
Yeah, but when they're jumping on those mattresses, like they were just literally jumping on two mattresses <laughs> side by side. They didn't like jump from mattress to mattress. No, they didn't do anything store. fun. Yeah, and I, then there was a cut to a, like a big mustachioed guy being like, "I guess holy shit, they're ruining the springs of my." I assume he's the manager of the mattress store. Yeah, and uh, and he's not going to sell those. How's he going to feed his family? I want to give him the backstory of the salesman who sold me my mattress years ago, who kept told me all about how he came back from Vietnam and worked his way up through the mattress business. So I think I on his back. <laughs> I'm just trying to fill in the background of these characters who exist only as cartoons, and, the, and uh, then but the the piece de resistance of this day of life, this celebration of the joy of life, is Mr. Wellington. It, the, they unroll a big thing of like uh, a packing whatever packing uh, what do you bubble wrap? Yeah, bubble, bubble wrap, and uh, she has him dance on it. Yeah, and he pops it a bunch. And yep. uh, like, and why, she laughs and laughs and laughs. Why, why is laughs that like full head off? Why why is bubble wrap like go hand in hand with like childhood glee? Like, is well, have there... you ever popped bubble wrap? It is a, it is. I fun mean, to pop. I, I enjoy it. Well, I don't think that that's like the pop. last thing I want to do before I die, though. <laughs> and then he used a public payphone to call somebody. Yeah, what what does that like <laughs> reaffirm his like will to live? Like, oh my god, this is what life is all about. But it is... doesn't reaffirm his will to live because he dies afterwards. Why does she think it will reaffirm? Why? Don't... Okay. I she's stupid. I he, don't know. He could have been with us for longer, you know, is what I'm saying. If she had done more, I'd Maybe. Rest in peace, Mr. Mogami. <laughs> and they do show his uh, his tombstone at one point. And the, his, yes, his pet zebra does attend the funeral. But there's the... I, what I, maybe that scene was just to show how unmagical Natalie Portman is so she can rediscover her love of magic later. Oh, okay. I don't know. But he seems to enjoy it. But... Speaking of, uh, I think he was just humoring her. Speaking of Mr. McGorn, I think this, you're, I think you're reading into him, uh, into his performance. My last day on earth is going to be so unpleasant if I don't pretend to enjoy this. <laughs> Speaking of Mr. McGorn, uh, ruining other small businessmen, uh, as he seemed to do during his yeah, or day just of irritate them. Whimsy. Um, uh, part of what Jason Bateman discovers when he comes in to be like the accountant is that Mr. McGorn. Hasn't been paying for things, or like hasn't paid taxes. Or His entire whatever. career, he's had the store for probably what a hundred and some odd years. Yeah, ever since he came from the old country. And we're meant to be like, I guess, as the audience think, like, oh, magic is free. You don't pay for magic, you old funny. But he's got these bills. Wanting to who's who's sending money? Who's sending him bills exactly. if his store is magic? It's yeah. the same problem I Mr. had. Gregorium is a real dick. He's the There's same other pro- magic stores around the world, obviously. <laughs> it's the same problem I had with Fred Claus, the trailer, because I didn't see the film, which is, if Santa Claus is magic, why is there a consortium of business interests <laughs> that's investing in him? Like, it's, he shouldn't need money. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, but in this case, he like Mr. Gregorium is apparently uh, trading money for goods and, and or services, but taxes. he doesn't pay his bills. He doesn't pay his like, taxes Like when the invoice either. comes, he just throws it in the back room. Yeah. Waits for Bateman Tur- to come. Turns it into it a paper airplane. Yeah. yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm absent-minded. Blah, blah. You're coming with us, Mr. McGorian. You haven't paid your taxes in 100 years. But, but I can't go to prison. I'm Mr. McGorian. I'm Mr. McGorian. Just break out. I'll kill you all. I like to think that they took him to prison but let him out because he was fucking annoying. Yeah. <laughs> the other know. prisoners complained. Yeah. I just want to say, I don't know about you guys, but I'm waiting for this guy's, uh, this director's next film. Uh, Mr. Mandelabra's Candelabra's. 
because that's that's going to be pretty awesome. It's a pretty good one. How long how long <laughs> you work on that one, Dan? <laughs> well, I did make a joke about Mr. Mandeliers chandeliers <laughs> during the. Oh yeah! Um, so I, I just thought I, that candelabra was. He's a doing. Funnier. He's doing a slice of life drama called Mr. Malebris, Mr. Malerapi's Marriage Therapy, <laughs> starring Gabriel Byrne. <laughs> Every day, it's a different patient. <laughs> what a hook, Mr. Malotline Suicide Hotline. Oh man, <laughs> Mr. Gagorshinist's Magic. Okay, I don't even need to finish that one. Oh uh, man, we had some laughs right there. Yeah. Woo. Mr. Magornofriger's Magic Pornography. Anyway. Man, we could do that forever. Ah, any occupation that you can rhyme things with. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's Why don't you do it at home, how, Yeah, that's how you do the formation of the think joke, up, right? Think of an inappropriate uh, occupation and then reverse engineer a title. That like rhymes, a, like, yeah. like Penis Gobbler. I'll show <laughs> that would be Mr. McGobbler's. No, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> Mr. Meanest... Gobblers. Mr. 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 Mark gobbler. Knopfler's Penis Gobblers, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> which is a great album. You should buy it, um, maybe for your your dad for Christmas. I yeah, think, I think your good. dad yeah, the, enjoys the, the smooth sounds of Mark Knopfler. The, di- the Dire Straits album, <laughs> Penis Gobblers. Oh dear, we do have. This was fun. supposed to be called "I Still Want My MTV." Why did you? <laughs> Who made this unauthorized title change, <laughs> Mr. Knopfler? I didn't. Well, we didn't expect you to come down here, sir. <laughs> We were just screwing around, but uh, uh, we were just fooling around with Photoshop, and well, we actually, accidentally hit save. And by then, the system was in charge. It was too late, uh, Mr. Magorium. But uh, I guess the it was just everything about it was so forced. That was the yes, everything was so forced. But then, like at moments, uh, real life would intrude when it shouldn't. Like there was like, like that, an odd there was scene. that weird scene where they were watching the towers collapse on television. <laughs> that seemed inappropriate. <laughs> I really That's broke the mood of the film. This is okay. Like it's too soon. I'm, I'm talking <laughs> about though. Too soon. That kid, like the little kid, the eight year old, like with the hats. Kid with the hats. Like his mom's telling him to make friends, so wait, he makes wait, friends. Wait, which kid? The, the one with the hat. Oh yeah, right. With the big ears. Oh okay. He makes friends with Jason Bateman. You know the insufferable one. And so uh, he the has Jason hats. Bateman walk him <laughs> yes. home for safety, and then we cut to a scene of him and Jason Bateman putting hats on in his room and, and play acting. Doing some cosplay. Doing yeah. cosplay. One's a king and the other is a jester. And then his mom comes <laughs> in and is like, I know uh, that one. <laughs> what's going on here? As you would if a strange adult man was with your young child. In his bedroom. In his bedroom. Unattended. Mm-hmm. And then with the crazy scene just sort on. of ends and is not referred to again. <laughs> with, with his sport coat off. Yeah. Yeah. And his, his sleeves were unbuttoned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Which like I, if I was the mother, I would assume he is getting undressed. Well, and there's a moment. Well, there's so a moment it doesn't where, get like, clearly the audience, the adult audience, is supposed to be like, ha, ha, I get it. She thinks he's a pedophile. That is a good point. That is what we're, what we're supposed to think. It's like, uh oh, she's going to think it's uh, she's going to be suspicious, but she is suspicious of his pedophilia. It's like that type of joke when uh, you like somebody walks in hearing two people talking and just assumes that they're talking about blowjobs or something. <laughs> yeah, that's a little different. Uh, she's a little bit more justified in her fears, I think. Well, yeah, but obviously in the in the scenario I'm talking about, like one person's like, you know, straightening somebody's belt or. Yeah. My favorite one, something like that from Three's Company was uh, there was a nun who le- there, like a nun came and stayed at their apart- at their house. This okay. young, attractive nun, and she is talking to one of the uh, one of the women who lives there, and she's like, "Oh, I receive all these letters from other nuns looking for advice. Here's one right here. Let me read it to you. 
I just met a young man, and he's so handsome, I don't know what to do. I'm so attracted to him that I fear that I'm going to leave the order. And John Ritter is about to walk into the room, and then he overhears, tell me what to do. I don't want to break my vows against God, but I still, but I love this man so much. And John Ritter's like, uh-oh, she must be talking about me. I better go. But just the whole, the whole pretense of, let me read to you <laughs> aloud from this letter that I received from a nun in trouble. Let me read this uh, penthouse forum, and oops. <laughs> That's Here, let's let's perform the scene from a play where we're coming onto each other. <laughs> what? But it's not what it looks like. It's also funny because it's like it's not even a double entendre. No, nope, she's just single. worried, like that he's going to ruin this nun's life. He's yeah. like, oh, oh, she's a nun. She shouldn't be lusting after me, John Ritter, star of uh, Stay Tuned. I think. Yes, yeah, exactly. star of the great Stay Tuned. Him, him back and Jeffrey around. Jones. They should have made so many movies together. Jeffrey Jones was in Mom and Dad Save the World, right? Yes, he was. That cool. was part of the Jeffrey Jones uh, Renaissance. <laughs> Yeah. Renaissance? <laughs> Is that the cool way to say it? I believe uh, <laughs> the and things. I believe days, it's pronounced Renaissance. Renaissance. Mm-hmm. I see. Mr. Magorium. Okay, so man, are I we? Think, I think are we done talking about it? Done. It could be. I mean, I could talk all day about that ballroom, but you know. <laughs> room full of balls oh right I thought we were talking oh and also there was that sad room. sock monkey that i guess wanted a that friend creepy but he would just he would just sulk yeah there's a sock monkey who keeps like reaching out sadly to uh, jason bateman throughout the movie how did the emporium make money like most of the time it was just kids farting around and like <laughs> they made at least we saw them make two sales two sales total yeah. Yeah. But they were, and one was to like one of her college friends. Yeah, that was weird. That that went nowhere. Yeah, there was nowhere no reason at all. since we had already been introduced, introduced the character of Mahoney. There was no reason for her college friend to be like Mahoney. I remember you. You're still working at this store. I thought you were going to play piano. It's like we knew that we know this. The narrator told us this. There's no reason for this scene to exist. Yeah, I mean, it's not like they, they could have played up like the the like the idea that she desires the life that this guy has. Or yeah, exactly. Maybe she was in love with him, or they had a really awkward or just date the, or who they were. Yeah, what their relationship was. Sure. My like, uh, although it's I, like that scene in Fargo where uh, Marge meets the old. Uh, no, that's a brilliant scene. That's totally oh, that's exactly, different. That's exactly like Mr. McGorry. No, it's boring. very different. They're two very different movies. No, I think you'll find this is a word for very, word remake. This is like a. <laughs> if it's I, like it's like us fans Psycho. If it's I can, if I, if I can name drop slightly. I was talking to uh, Mr. John Oliver, who of course appeared in The Love Guru, and I mentioned, mm. and I used that as a riposte to something he said to me. And he goes, "You know, uh, when you think about it, Love Guru is a movie, just like Citizen Kane is a movie." And it made me so mad <laughs> <laughs> that there was no way to differentiate the medium between, mediums between these two films. You know, I was gonna say, so- oh, I, what was interesting about this movie is if it had been made in the '80s, the early '90s, then like Toys. It would have been about like the military finding out about this magic store with its magic book that creates anything and trying to steal its secrets. But instead, since it was set now, it was about bills and, you know, not being able to pay them and so forth. Sure. Yeah. People losing their whimsy. But it felt like or or it would be about like a giant corporation trying to like every movie I feel like when we were kids was either Toys or Santa Claus the movie. Yeah. Where it was about a corporation or the military trying to steal a magic character's secret. Yeah, secrets. or like, uh, you know, the local bikini car wash being shut down. Yeah, you were really hoping there was going to be a bikini car wash in this. I, what was it going to be? The movie. kid with the hats and Natalie Portman wearing bikinis? I don't I think the toys. Yeah, well. Just <laughs> sexy, sexy. I mean, I don't toys. Think, a lot of Robo Sapiens and bikinis. <laughs> I don't think anything those. would have been gained by having Natalie Portman being a bikini. Wow, ouch. Yikes. I hope she's not listening to this. I still like you, Natalie. That's if very you, nice. If you are listening. 
Maybe that. Are you listening? Kid's mom. Well, you're right. What? Maybe the annoying kid's mom. She sure. was a little too Allison Janney-ish for me. She wore a lot of like like pantsuits, but yeah, well, she was professional. Yeah, but you know that those are the hottest kind, you know. I want to believe that she was Hillary Clinton with the pantsuits and everything. Oh, okay. They were wrong color, but that makes the movie that much more interesting to me. If she has a second life as a single mom okay. with a lonely child, I kind of like uh, Reba. <laughs> yes, just like Reba McIntyre's character on her show, Reba, or or like uh, Grace Under the Fire. The eponymous Reba. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> was Reba a single mom in that show? Yeah, that's the song tells you that in the beginning. <laughs> okay. She works too hard, but she mm. loves her kids. Let's She's got the heart of a heart of a fighter. <laughs> Let's go on to our final judgment on Mr. McGorian. Final okay. judgments. <laughs> Flophouse Final Judgments, brought to you by Nabisco. <laughs> a, a current affair. <laughs> <laughs> the Flophouse is brought to you by Rolled Gold Pretzels. That was, that was, that's the my Rolldiest Pretzels. I watched The X-Files for years when it was on TV, and the thing that sticks with me most is the bumpers where they go, The X-Files <laughs> is brought to you by... And just the quick voice change that the guy had to do between the X-Files voice and the Rolled Gold Pretzels voice. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. Okay. So anyway, if we did it in the normal voice. World, world pretzels would be too spooky. Yeah. People the wouldn't X-Files pick them up. Is brought to you by <laughs> Miller Lite. <laughs> well, but that's uh, final judgments. Uh, I'll start. T um, two. Final judgment day. Yeah. I. I really. I really didn't like this movie. I mean, I really. It wasn't boring. Like yes, uh, at times it was. <laughs> but it was, it was no it was give no, it credit. It was not to ten thousand BC exactly. on the on the Bratz to ten thousand BC scale. <laughs> it was not either one. It's definitely not ten thousand BC. Yeah, but uh, if there was ever a movie that like made me want to side with like tax collectors, this was it. You know, like it just made whimsy look so unappealing, and all the characters wanted to force everyone to be whimsical. It was like you will be. High spirited and crazy. Well, that's the thing. There's the kid who is like he he says he's lonely because he doesn't have friends, but he seems perfectly fine building sculptures and kind of collecting hats and hanging out by himself. It's almost like every, you need more friends. Why don't you make some friends? And maybe it's just because my life as a kid was hanging out by myself and then being told I should not do that. But I really really sympathize with that kid and his hats. Wow. But yeah, everyone this has was, been window into Elliot's Everyone world was house. trying to force their lifestyle on other people. It was like yeah. the gay marriage protesters. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, wow. I suddenly come out with this incredibly conservative <laughs> political viewpoint. Yeah, it's just like these abortionists. <laughs> I want mean, to force their lifestyle real on everybody. We, we haven't really brought this up yet, but I think this is the first children's movie we've watched on this show. We watch Bratz. What do you? Yeah, oh, yeah. I guess that's I guess, a tweener's movie. Yeah, I don't. I yeah. guess this is the first. I don't fucking know. This is the first attention. like young kids movie. Yeah, like, this is this is like definitely aimed towards like, uh, like your six to elevens. Yeah, yeah. So, with people with the minds of children. Um, like, and the the thing is like <laughs> like just, uh, it, Lenny from uh, yeah, like, exactly. like, like I couldn't tell imagine me about child, the Emporium. <laughs> I couldn't imagine a child of that age would actually like enjoy this. No, movie they would way. hate like, it. Like I just got done watching uh, Wall-E, the Pixar movie, which is a great movie, which is a really great movie. And I'm wondering why other people who make fucking children's movies don't just fucking call up Pixar and be like, "Hey guys, uh, how how do you make a movie right? Because I I'm it's all, I'm all fucking thumbs right now." Yeah. <laughs> I saw your movie and it was really good. Yeah. How did you do? I was maybe I was just gonna make a, a, a remake of that, but uh, you know, rights and everything. Elliot, so, any yeah. thoughts? Uh, yeah, it was also a terrible movie. I was pushing for us to watch this movie for a long time, and it lived up to my every expectation. 
it was stupid and unlikable. And <laughs> it was a direct it was a it was like a writer director who thought that he had tapped into his inner childhood, but it was like a it was like a cynical fake inner childhood. Yeah. And things either moved way too slow or way too fast. Like it, it almost felt like this guy the writer director was trying to pick up Natalie Portman. I assume that like, he was. Like this it was, was some an kind elaborate of grift. It was yeah, like Hitchcock like, and Tippy Hedren, or yeah, some kind of crazy charade. That, that's a movie we should uh, we should write. Crazy charade. <laughs> crazy charade. <laughs> it's like an it's like an eighties sex comedy, but like the premise is someone's making Mr. McGorium's Wonder of Four NBA Girls, that's, starring that's, C. Thomas Howell as the writer director of Mr. McGorium. That's that's pretty meta. Yeah. Right. It's like yeah. being Mr. McGorium. Who would be? Who would the girl be? Mm. Let's make it the girl from just one of the guys because I like her. Okay, or uh, but, nice yeah, but yeah, this was a this was, well, that goes without saying. But yeah, this was a very bad movie, and it makes me feel bad about the things that kids watch these days, and about myself and Hot Wheels. No, Shame me, on you, Hot Wheels. <laughs> Hot Wheels and connects. How dare you put money into this? And Robo Sabian at two Robo. <laughs> so I have a few um, letters. From, uh, listeners, letters. Yeah. We get letters. No, no, don't we do. Get we're lots gonna have to pay for lots the, of letters. No. Now you're gonna get sued by Paul Schaefer. You're gonna get sued. No, he doesn't know my name. Um, Your name's plastered all over this thing. Dan McCoy's the Flophouse, <laughs> starring Dan Wait, McCoy. Can I read, read it over? Your, uh, read your read your letter. I'm gonna read it over. Your uh, so this is in response to the um, the question of who does Stuart look like with his mustache? Oh man, which he doesn't have anymore. <laughs> now he's back to his usual. He's on like, his way there. Can, can I point out that after shaving off, I went through a period of a couple of days where I was really depressed, mm-hmm. and I think it's directly related to cutting off the mustache. Yeah. So if you have a mustache, do not cut it off. You had post shave him depression. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I think that there there's something there's something the same. There's something that these two letters have in common. So I'm going to read them both, and let's see if you can uh, put your finger on. Okay. Are they what both from my mom? No. Are they from the person who was searching for gay Stuart Wellington, Stuart Wellington gay? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't think so, but okay. the first one is from Ashley, last name withheld. Uh, it says, what ethnicity is that, do you think? Uh, I think that it's Latvian. So oh, okay. It says Dan and Co. So you guys just get to be and Co. That's fair. It's like Oliver and Company. Clearly the first photo is Columbo doing his W impression while sporting one hell of a stash. <laughs> The mustache is completely unnecessary for that. <laughs> or Josh, <laughs> or Josh Hartnett, but that's a pretty cool thing to say. Like that it? is fucking cruel. The second photo is yeah, uh, heartthrob Josh Hartnett. <laughs> the second photo is Peter Falk in his college improv troupe days. Uh, that's up, pretty good. Keep, oh, up, oh, the, pretty good. keep yeah. up the great work. And the uh, second one, Stewart disturbingly looks like Josh Brolin is W and W. Very true. Um, and this mustache. is this is a side note. Um, the movie, <laughs> nice. the movie Elliot was thinking of, the, the one with Hugh Jackman and Ashley Judd, was someone like you. Someone like you. And Although it was, he's probably looked it up by now. I didn't because I didn't care enough. But it's <laughs> the one that was based on the book Animal Husbandry. Yeah, it was right? originally called Animal Husbandry, and then they're right. like, that title sounds too unique. Let's well, change it to something completely generic. Let's t- yeah. Well, thank you very much for for reminding us about that. Someone like you. What, like, that's yes, like I love you. That's like a smile like yours. So did you did you get the similarity though between the two all of the things? Josh Brolin. W. Uh, mustache. It's the fact that none of those people actually have mustaches. Yeah, is, that was, <laughs> was a question was like, about who does Stuart look like with his mustache? mustache. I think he looks like Danny DeVito if Danny DeVito had a mustache. <laughs> exactly. One of them is Columbia, Columbo doing a W impression. While sporting a stash, another 
Josh Brolin as W and W, one of Josh Brolin's few roles that does not involve a mustache. <laughs> yeah, he was just in a movie where he had a big mustache. So like if there's anyone else out there who would like to do a mustache, <laughs> would like to do this thing right. <laughs> I just made fun of our audience. Someone like what was it called? Someone like you? Yeah, someone like you. Terrible. That's like the kind of that's like the name of a sitcom that NBC would put on after Caroline in the City in like the mid nineties. Yeah. Was was she, like the was Leah guy. was yeah. Leah was Leah Thompson supposed to be hot? <sighs> she was always cute. I mean, yeah. she, there's she that was, great like in the Back to the Future the Duck. That's yeah, Leah yeah, that's Leah Thompson. That's yeah, that, that used to be the number one panty shot I've ever seen. Really? Seriously? Yeah, it's great. She uh, watch it again. She was on a new beach raise with your Victoria eyebrows. Jackson in <laughs> Casual <laughs> Sex, starring Andrew Dice Clay. Oh, all, so many people I'd love to see nude. <laughs> <laughs> Oh great! <laughs> Wait, Leah Wait, Thompson oh, and Victoria Jackson. You mean and Andrew you Dice mean Clay? casual sex? It's a movie exactly. with a question mark at the end of the title. Um, That's a movie that uh, that could only exist in its time period. Yeah, when sex, when casual sex started to become a dangerous thing, but it wasn't yet dangerous enough that you couldn't make a comedy about it. Yeah, did Blake Edwards direct that <laughs> <No>. one? <laughs> <laughs> it does kind of sound like late period Blake, Blake Edwards, blind date era Blake yeah, Edwards. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so I, I just wanted to remind people before we get into our recommendations, uh, the holiday season is the Flophouse listener drive season. Oh yeah. I'd like to think of the Flophouse as the gift we <laughs> don't whistle. I'm just giving you background music. I like to think of the Flophouse as the gift that we give you for free. For free. That's what makes it a gift. What's the gift that you listeners can give us? Promotion. Uh, you can go to the website. <laughs> we sell that lawn, dude. <laughs> You can go to the website. Each you of your salesmen should try to get as many repeat customers <laughs> as possible. I've put I've put buttons on this, the uh, website so you can uh, dig it, dig our show. We used to have like 15 digs, then they changed the system over at Dig, and now mm. we're back down to two. So why don't you get those numbers up if you dig can. Dig us up. Uh, you can go to Podcast Alley and vote. this corpse of a podcast. Um, iTunes reviews. If you review us positively on iTunes, that's actually a big help. Or subscribing on iTunes rather than listening uh, online to bump the bump our numbers up. I'm doing my part. I'm subscribed on iTunes. Are you? Uh, you can link to us. Or if you know, like, uh, if you know anyone um, in the media, not the real media because they wouldn't care about this, but the online media. Who uh, you the can, internet media? Yeah. You know, bloggers and such. Yeah. You can mention us to them People or like, something. People like, who, Matt Drudge? I don't know. Perhaps someone out there is a podcast publicist <laughs> who wants to give us their <laughs> wares. Is there bono. such a thing? I certainly hope not. <laughs> anyway. Well, you've just alienated them. I think you get our point. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> But yes, please help other people listen to us because... Uh, Look, I, f- I feel awkward making a plea for an audience. That's why uh, we're getting so stupid, but... Uh, PBS w- does it all the time. Exactly. And do you, I would say, since I w- just watched a one-hour special they did on the New York Public Library system, can you believe they need to do pledge drives for viewers? <laughs> I don't understand it. Well, you watched it, obviously. Well, I my interests don't really match up with most people's. <laughs> I was fascinated by it. <laughs> Rarified. What I didn't realize is that used to be the site of the New York City Reservoir, the, where the library is now. It's just a huge open-air reservoir yeah, that people wow. would pee in. I know at least one listener who would be fascinated by that. <laughs> Our Great friend st- who works at the main branch of oh, the yeah, library. Oh, yeah, that's right. Great story. Anyway, please what, listen. Now what do we do? Uh, now we talk about movies that we saw recently that we actually liked. Awesome. Oh, man, so many. Oh, yeah. Do you have one, Stuart? I watch a bunch of movies lately um, that I'd seen part of but hadn't watched all of. 
uh, until I was really bored, and so I watched a bunch of movies. So I watched like Flatliners. Eh. That's not uh, a good movie. No. Um, I watched There's Earth- a lot of the Brat Pack in it, though. That's true. In their dimly lit medical school. Guys, it was very creepy, by the way. <laughs> where, were, where were they going to school at? In, like, Canada or something? They were going to Arkham, uh, I think. Arkham <laughs> University. Uh, yep, Miskatonic University. Miskatonic University in Arkham, Massachusetts. Sure, yeah. Um, I would say Arkham Asylum, which is not a school. Yeah. It's an asylum. Nice. So, and then I, I followed that up with uh, Earth Girls Are Easy, which I had never seen, and was great. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, any 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 universe where Jeff Goldblum is a hunk is top top dollar, in my <laughs> opinion. And then I watched Executive Decision, which I kind of watched. I was doing stuff at the same time, but it was really good. And uh, yeah, it just like it was kind of cool because for a kind of crappy movie with Steven Seagal and Kurt Russell in it, um, it seemed like they genuinely made an effort to make like make it seem realistic. I guess as those things go. Um, so it, it was pretty good. I liked it. So Executive Decision and Earth Girls are easy. Okay. A double feature probably a is best. Letter E double feature. Yeah. Uh, I saw a couple movies from last year that were um, not big hits. I mean, they were, they were released sort of in the mid-range but weren't super successful. I watched uh, Red Belt, the David Mamet movie uh, starring Chiwetel Ejiofor. Uh, and you just made that name up. That's not a name. That's a Scrabble hand. <laughs> what? Uh, racist. But um, <laughs> um, you know, David Mamet movies sort of uh, live or die on whether he casts someone who can uh, ignore his directorial style with actors <laughs> and just be a good actor. And uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor is, is, is a really great actor, and I really enjoyed that movie. And it's a movie. You know, so many movies you can tell exactly where they're headed. Uh, from the very beginning, that was a movie that moment to moment I had no idea where it was going, and it doesn't necessarily like all hold together perfectly at the end. I feel like, but I really enjoyed it. And I also watched uh, Miss Pettigrew Lives for a Day, starring uh, Frances McDormand and Enchanted's Amy Adams and uh, Lee Pace from uh, Pushing Daisies in the Fall, Star- the film that yeah. you recommended. Mm-hmm. The, my favorite movie of the year so far, I think. And uh, Legends of the Fall. Yeah, Legends of the Fall. <laughs> no. And I really enjoyed. It. It's not you know it's not up to par with like an old screwball comedy. It's not up to par with you know like Jules and Jim, but <laughs> well, no, you just rank it against like there was there was a, there, there was a there was a review of uh, Changeling recently where it said it's good, but it's no Chinatown. It was like okay, you, it's not one of the best movies ever made, but that's. <laughs> Well, right. saying, it's trying to it's trying to capture a certain style of old uh, filmmaking, like not quite screwball filmmaking, but in that same vein. And it's very like not, frothy, that kind of thing. Yeah, and it's not up to that sort of par, but Wait, for like a modern version of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the there's a lot of sex comics. Well, you know, it's got a cover where uh, a woman's running away and a guy is pulling her bra back. It's exactly like it's screwball. A bikini, actually. Okay, but. Um, <laughs> You have the poster. <laughs> you have the limited edition lithograph. <laughs> if you want to, uh, if you want to see a film that's uh, sort of like a PG Woodhouse Jeeves and Wooster story, uh, if um, Amy Adams was playing Marilyn Marilyn Monroe as uh, Wooster and uh, Frances McDormand was playing Mary Poppin as Jeeves, hmm. uh, if that sounds interesting to you, it's a it's a fun movie, and uh, I just. Realized by looking at the uh, IMDb that it was written by uh, Simon Bofoy, who just wrote Slumdog Millionaire, 
which was pretty good. I, I didn't love it as much as everyone else did, but I thought it was uh, solid and fun. So I also felt that way about Slumdog Millionaire. We're um, in agreement. I haven't seen it yet. Okay. I uh, did. I I saw. Let's talk about old movies. Since you talk about a movie that was kind of in that style, uh, I recently saw two old movies that I liked a lot. Uh, they might be a little hard to find, possibly, but they played <laughs> because, the- you hit, because you hit all the cups. Yes, but they- you made the movie. Well, these were these were two movies that I I DVR'd off of Turner Classic Movies, kind of on a whim, and I'm glad I did for both of them. Did I talk about Jewel Robbery? No. The last time there was a, one is a movie. isn't that a isn't that a game that secretaries play at work on their computer Jewel I, Robbery? No, I'm not familiar with that. I'm thinking Bejeweled. Sorry, I don't. Know. I don't know that either. Okay. You work in an office. Uh, the Jewel Robbery is a movie with... Uh, yeah, and you shoot the Daily Show out in the middle of the field. <laughs> <laughs> it's an outdoor like show toys. with uh, William Powell and I want to say Kay Francis is the woman, but I don't think it is. I can't remember the name of the woman. She is a kind of flighty European, vaguely middle European, you know, rich woman, and he is the most debonair jewel thief in the world. And this movie is an hour and 15 minutes long, and it's really fun. And the scene where he first meets her during a jewel robbery is so, uh, like, so much fun. He's, she's buying the super expensive diamond with her rich husband, and uh, William Powell walks in, the owner of the store goes, can I help you, sir? And he goes, uh, yes, you can, my good man. And his valet holds out a case, opens the case, and William Powell pulls a gun out of it and goes, I'm going to rob your store, gentlemen. And he's like, oh, take a seat, everyone. Take a seat. Let's start some conversation. This will be nice. And William Powell takes out a gramophone player and plays a record of the Blue Danube. And like, he's just the most debonair, stylish jewel thief in the world and very friendly. And it was uh, a, a, like a very kind of short, fun movie and very light. Uh, and the other one was a movie I just finished watching this morning called Hollow Triumph, which is a film noir that Han- Hans Conried from uh, Casablanca, uh, among other things, was the star and producer of. And it's one of the most kind of contrived plots in the world. He's a he's a gangster on the run, and he ends up in a town where there's a man who looks exactly like him, but with a scar on his face, who's a psychiatrist. So he takes that man's life and has to scar himself, but the pictures he took of the guy, uh uh-oh, at the lab, they accidentally reversed them. So he puts the scar on the wrong side of his face. And it's like, uh, at every plot point is kind of contrived in a way that's almost exciting in how, you know, unrealistic it is. But uh, it's shot really beautifully for a kind of, what I assume must have been a fairly low-budget film. And There are these great scenes with smoke and darkness and things like that. Uh, and there are all these great side characters who are just, like, either really funny or really weird-looking. There's this one character who's a co-worker of his at a taxi company, and he's just in the middle of the night by himself practicing ballroom dancing, and Hans Conried comes up to him and interrupts him, and he goes into this long thing about how he needs to find the right ballroom dancing partner, and I know what you're going to say my problem is. I'm too short, but if you have confidence, you can project the impression of height, plus they make tall shoes that I can wear, and it's really funny, and then this character is never heard from ever again, and it's like... There are all these great little scenes with strange characters and the whole thing. And, you know, it's a quick, kind of like fast-moving, crazy film noir movie called Hollow Triumph. Or you might find a copy of it under the name The Scar, which was the English release title. I recommend both of those. I'm trying to make them famouser. So. Like Nathan's. Six recommendations tonight between the three of us. Is that a new record? I think, uh, uh, I think I Earth know. Girls Are Easy is the best one. So. Okay, sure. <laughs> It does have uh, Julie Brown in it. 
It does. And Damon Wayans. Not Downtown Julie Brown, though. No, no. The other Julie Brown. The one with novelty songs mm-hmm. to her name. The one who was on the short-lived Jim MTV Carey. sketch show The Edge. Yeah. And Jim Carrey's in it. Yep. Who was on MTV's Weebo. other sketch show in Living Color. Is that his name? Weebo? Is that his? Uh, You're thinking of Weebelos. I think... Weeby Loyal Scouts. I can't remember. No, he, wait, he's Whiplock. Whiplock. <laughs> Whiplock. Because that's, that's the best line in the film uh, when at the end like they're leaving and Gina Davis is like, Oh, Whiplock, I think I'll miss you least of all. <laughs> yeah. Gina Davis. Such delivery. Was yeah. that the movie that she and Jeff Goldblum met on? Or was it Transylvania 65000? Or The Fly? I think that I, both I of those know. other movies came before okay. Earth Girls. They were movie. like Tracy and Hepburn. Falling in love, making movies together. <laughs> Until Rennie Harlan came between them. Mm-hmm. As he is for many people. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, this has been a good holiday show. Uh, yeah, but we talked a lot about the holidays. <laughs> it really was a lot of Christmas and Hanukkah cheer. <laughs> I want to talk about Rennie Harlan some more. We'll rent the Covenant and discuss. Yeah, he was. That was great. Um, oh, that's right. I forgot about the Covenant. Is that the movie where it's super powerful twenty-year-olds, right? Yeah, and they use warlocks. their they use their magic powers to lift up girls' skirts. Yeah. yeah, and they're all like super rich too. Yeah, so like it's basically snobs versus more snobs. <laughs> snobs versus snobsers. Yeah. So are we done here? Yeah. Yes, Stuart. You can go home. <laughs> Cool. I um, allow you to leave. Okay, so <laughs> you may not. Um, you guys listening don't know, but Dan locks us up. <laughs> Dan, uh, Dan, don't we have some? Uh, don't we have some business here? Oh sure. Uh, if you want to email us, <laughs> maybe about Stuart's mustache that doesn't exist anymore, or so, uh, or it's, another it's topic. Uh, maybe about the holidays. Uh, you can email us at theflophousepodcast at gmail dot com. Or, maybe you want to send us a, a gift of some kind. Or if you take issue with anything we've said and you want to yeah, start an argument, let's start this. <laughs> yeah, Natalie Portman. Let's open up. Yeah, Natalie Portman, if you're out there and you think Natalie, you're I still love you. Or any, <laughs> if anyone disagrees with Stuart and thinks that Natalie Portman is super attractive, write in and we can have an argument over who's attractive in film today and lose all of our female listeners. Sure. That's what they all like to hear is a, a relative hotness discussion. <laughs> <laughs> let's, t- let's sink this thing into the gutter. And uh, if you want to go to the website, it's the theflophousepodcast.blogspot.com. Maybe someday we'll get an actual domain name. Don't See? look at me. I don't know how computers work. For the Flophouse, I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalen. Good night. Yeah, good night. So, wait, The Long Kiss Goodnight was Rennie Harlan. Which, which Nightmare on Elm Street? Was it Nightmare on Elm Street 3? Oh, I don't know. For him, he'll just be Cutthroat Island, Rennie Harlan. For yeah. me, that's... Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> fair enough for funny Vamp. one. Vamp, vampires. Verotic. Nosferotic. <laughs> Nosferotic. <laughs> Yeah, this is my collection of Nosferatica. <laughs> A lot of people say Vampirotica. I don't. So, ladies, that was my that was my burn on you Start guys. Start again. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> that was that was a record scratch. <laughs> that was the dog. Actually, hold on. Aye, aye, aye. That was someone, someone who didn't think that they heard what they heard. Shake there. It's me cleaning the wax out of my ears because I thought you said something retarded.